Hello and welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast. We've got plenty to discuss this evening as the Champions League comes back with a bang and the Premier League readies itself for yet another North London derby. I'm your host and resident, Jordy Kuhn, and today I'm joined by Chelsea and Rangers fan, Luke. Chelsea. Liverpool fan, Andy. Hello. And part of Thistle supporter, Steve. Oh. Steve, Cove Rangers at the weekend. Big game for your boys. Oh, it's season starting up again. <laughs> Honestly, it's like the whole... Oh, man. What a mess. What a mess up there. <laughs> I didn't even notice we were starting the like you know lower-end cup competitions. Uh, Cove Rangers are a good team, Steve. It's going to be a tough call. Tough call. No, it's not. It's not this weekend. I think it's next. But um, uh, it is. Yeah. Mm. Hell. The last thing I saw was us signing some boy from Motherwell. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interest has been very well and truly lost. I think for Steve. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> the, the the lower leagues of Scotland do not have an awful lot of fan involvement right now. Uh, <laughs> Ross McIver ready to sign for Patrick Thistle. There you go. Yes. Don't even know who he is, but there you are. I think we're going no, to need to today. We're going to need to get you uh, an English Premier League team. So, for any listeners out there, send us in who you think Steve should support from the Premier League, and if we get like a couple of the same, then uh, we'll if, basically we'll force Steve to support that team. If if we get enough, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to go. To, to be fair, though, it's like you know I, I want stuff from genuine fans. I don't want this loaded by specific teams. And I know you lot have already been thinking about this. I know full well the two, that, that Andy and Luke are sitting there prepping certain mates of theirs who support a particular team. <laughs> That's not <laughs> happening, okay? This has to be a genuine fan vote. Ah, uh, you don't know who my mates are. Steve, Steve, if you Steve, if you become an Arsenal <laughs> fan, I would love it. I would absolutely love it because then you'd then you'd have to say David is a good player. That'd be awesome. I'm, I'm just really glad that your microphone failed. It's gone quiet. It did. It, it did uh, <laughs> yeah, your microphone, your microphone failed a bit there, Luke, which uh, I think may have been good for Steve's mental health. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, um, yeah, I was just mentioning that Steve should be an Arsenal fan. That's what I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Actually, I agree. Anyway, we're going to get uh, get on with it. We're going to start with the Champions League. This week, the first of the second leg ties in the UEFA Champions League round of 16 took place as Dortmund knocked out Sevilla. Porto toppled the old lady. Had to just say that like that. Liverpool breezed past Leipzig and PSG turned over Barcelona. Andy, uh, we'll start with you. Is the seventh UEFA Champions League title this season the only thing that could save what has been an otherwise quite dismal campaign for Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think that um, obviously, if we were to say they knocked out, and I mean, against the semi-finals, it's still a good achievement. I think, considering what's happened this season, I think if you get to the semis or something like that, I think that would still be a good achievement. But necessarily, it wouldn't be a good season at the same time. Um, obviously, the only, obviously the worry now is obviously that well, obviously we may potentially lose players if we don't get Champions League football. So obviously, it does add that importance to doing well in the Champions League. But I, going back to your question, you asked, I, I do think that. That, that that would definitely save our season. Even getting to the final would probably save our season and still make it a, a good season. Yeah, I mean, Luke, if you look at it, the, the eighth in the, the eighth in the Premier League at the minute, um, there could come a circumstance in the next few weeks where it begins to look like Liverpool's only chance of qualifying for the Champions League next season is to win it this season. Already looks like it to be, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think I think the defeat last weekend was a real body blow. 
Um, and, I'm, and considering I'm still all the other results for that, by the way, Andy. He's a, a, yeah, we we we, we um, do apologise for that. We do we do mm-hmm. apologise, but at the same time, if we win the Champions League, we, we won't be sorry. <laughs> do, do you know what? It's the other the other teams that are in danger of relegation that really should be quite angry about that because that I thought that was a really poor team selection. But yeah. coming back to Liverpool, actually, the one point that I did want to make just really briefly was what a difference in Thiago with a good midfield around him. Like he mm. was amazing. Exactly. And yeah. Some of the, some of the, mm. the, 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 you know, some of the, the, the passes he made were unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. And he looked like he was enjoying it as well. Mm. So it, it's, it's really interesting to see that. Really interesting. Yeah, I mean, he, he um, should have scored in the first half. There was a chance where he, he broke forward, but then I think he went to pass to Salah instead and, and we didn't score. Yeah. But I do think, um, obviously, his best game for us before then was that game against Chelsea where he had Fabinho in that midfield behind mm. him. So I do think it is showing now that he is playing in a role he sort of, we, we know him best at for his, like, for his days yeah. at Barcelona and Bayern. So I do think even the whole team looked better with Fabinho, not just Thiago. I think the whole team just looked overall just a much better team when he had Fabinho in midfield. So I do think Absolutely. that was a massive, a massive, and Nat Phillips, Nat Phillips was amazing as well. He had a really good performance against Leipzig yeah. as well. So it actually reminds me a little bit of, um, going back to a bit about the um, Champions League and Premier League campaigns, when um, when you boys, Luke, you um, finished with a sixth in the Premier League, seventh mm-hmm. and, won, mm-hmm. and won the Champions League. And obviously, mm-hmm. um, much to Tottenham fans um, love hearing that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that was also the classic example, wasn't it, of teams sort of not, not yeah, like sacrificing or not doing as well in the league, but then making up for it by a, by a good Champions League win. It, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. I remember that season because we, we actually, we were in, Vietnam of all places trying to watch the the the, uh, the game and the oh, yeah. only English feed that we could get was was a minute ahead of the video so we kind of knew what was happening before we could see it and it was the weirdest experience oh uh, really wow. yeah yeah it was cool and then of course I went to congratulate a Bayern fan and he told me where to shove it so that was <laughs> even more amusing so yeah but you know you're quite right this this could be the season for Liverpool where they go and all the way and win it and that's how they, they, they get in and and to be honest I, I sort of think they should focus on that because I don't think mm. they're going to make top four for the looks of things no no and even with um even 2005 when we won it we finished was it fifth that season and we weren't yeah we were a terrible team look but we, I don't know how mm. we won that Champions League the team we had we had some absolute stinkers in that team so I do think mm-hmm. obviously a much better team now but it does Struck me a little bit of those kind of seasons. If we do go on and win it, it'll be so similar sort of seasons to those. It's interesting. It's interesting. Let's mm. see what happens. Yeah. Steve, if you're looking at the table, you're looking at um, Liverpool sitting eighth, 43 points, seven points behind the top four. Do you agree with the uh, with Luke and his assessment that this could be Liverpool's only way of actually qualifying for the Champions League next season now? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the table now. I mean, there's seven points behind Chelsea, five behind West Ham, who've got a game in hand. You know, you just, with the current form, you just cannot see them um, coming back. Uh, it, it's like Klopp's just given up on the league. Uh, and I, interestingly, looking at the teams actually below them, they could actually fall further because obviously Villa have two games at hand. They've got an easy three points to net against Newcastle. Um, Arsenal are hanging by only five with a, you know with um, a game in hand. There's every chance Liverpool fall further, and even then, I don't see the fans criticising Klopp, and I don't see Klopp worrying about it because I see Klopp throwing everything into the Champions League. My only concern with that is, and you know, they, they played really well against Leipzig, uh, like Andy said, Nat Phillips. You know, I do not understand why that man hasn't been signed up to a new contract because mm. you need to have a big beast of a centre back like that. 
and he absolutely fulfills that criteria. But the problem with it is, what happens when they come up against the best teams in the contest? And no disrespect to Leipzig, but they clearly didn't look anything close to the best team in this competition. Um, the likes of PSG, um, they, they, they could easily, easily overrun that Liverpool midfield. Yeah, even PSG didn't look that good, though, to be fair, because, I mean, I watched the... I switched over for the Barca-PSG uh, game. I and I was too. really disappointed with them. They were, but then, I suppose, they, they had kind of changed their system to just sit in that's and just right. they, make they, sure they, they weren't going to lose. They didn't have to win that game. They were 4-1 up you in know. the first leg. They, 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 just, they played a nice, simple, straightforward, you know, yeah. hit them on the break um, approach, which works beautifully. And, and they didn't have to go out there and win that. You know, and or to be fair, though, they should have won it because Barca looked terrible. But um, one of the things we're looking forward to next year, I guess, is, is the complete rebuild at Barcelona. That will make next season's Champions League a lot more fun. And very possibly Juve as well. Um, yes, even their yes. director this week came out and said that he thought that Ronaldo was a very poor sign and he thought they should give him a free, which I thought well, was PSG really interesting. Well, PSG looking at that. PSG have to sign yeah. Maria to another year's deal, but they're talking about looking at Ronaldo for next year. So, Well, um, uh, it nicely segues me on to the next section here, which is uh, yeah. Porto knocking out Juventus and Barcelona failing. Uh, Barcelona, sorry, falling to PSG. Mm. Both Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are out of the tournament at the round of 16 stage. Yes. Um, with the likes of Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland having taken centre stage in the Champions League of this in the round of 16, do you think this is sort of uh, signifying something of a changing of the guard? In terms potentially, of- potentially. I mean, I think Messi showed it that even though he missed that penalty, I think the goal he scored against PSG, my word, what a goal! I think that shows that he's still got something in him, yeah. but obviously nowhere near the levels that we've seen throughout his career. Um, but I do think it's to sort of end of an era, not just in terms of the players, but also the teams. I think, um, obviously, Barca have fallen well short of what we used to have seen them in recent years. I think Juventus, um, actually, I think they got close to the Champions League final without Ronaldo than with Ronaldo. So I think, um, obviously, new teams like PSG, Bayern, against sort of, and now become the teams that everyone sort of doesn't want to play. So I do think um, there's a change in regard, definitely, not only with personnel, but also also with, with the teams as well. I think Juventus kind of are paying the price for the fact that for some reason someone in their boardroom said let's pay Aaron Ramsey £400,000 a week. Um, as soon as I saw that, it was like, I don't care if you've got Ronaldo. I don't care if you've got Ronaldo, Lewandowski, PK, the best players in the world. You're not winning anything if you pay £400,000 a week to Aaron Ramsey. As a Welsh man, I don't hear any slander about Aaron Ramsey. I don't hear that man ever be criticised. <laughs> I've got 400,000 reasons to criticise him. <laughs> no, I, I can never any ever criticise Aaron Ramsey after that's what he did in the Euros. Sort of looking at um, if you look at Juventus, especially if you look at their like honours list, they haven't actually won the Champions League since ninety five, ninety six. So it's been a quarter of a century since the old lady have picked up a Champions League trophy. That's that's not. Good, really, is it? Given that they're very clearly the strong, the strongest and most dominant force in Italian football, it's not good for Italian football as a whole, is it? Really, Luke? Well, here's the thing about Italian football: although it, it's good, they're not at the same level as they used to be, not by a long way. Um, like in the nineties, they were on top. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. In comparison to, to, to years gone by, I don't think they're in general as good as, as they were. I mean, okay, the um, 
you know, obviously AC Milan did a reasonable job, but in, in relative terms, Italy has been in the doldrums, really. Um, and I think that might be shown by the fact that, you know, that they, they are struggling a little bit this year. Um, and and the, the national team struggled as well. So it's interesting, but uh, I, I don't know what the long-term uh, solution is for Italy, really. I mean, look, it's about the one thing I was going to say actually, in fact, that just this is the last bit. Um, so you're seeing some players who are maybe not as good good enough for the Premiership, um, like Ashley Young and people like that, doing really well in Italy. Sanche- um, Sanchez from Man United doing really well again in Italy. That suggests that the, the, the level is a level down from the Premiership, in my opinion, anyway, at least. I think the evidence kind of shows that, that some players who are maybe middling in the Premiership or at the end of their careers are still doing quite well in Serie A. So well, of I course, think that um, shows that there's more of a gap these days than there maybe used to be. Definitely. Well, of course, Lukaku, he um, struggled, didn't he, in his last year at Man U? But look at him now, he, he's back to what he was like at Everton, wasn't he, Absolutely. with um, how he's playing so far? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just bringing... Bovic is his top, top scorer out there, so... <laughs> mm. He must be about 49, so... Uh... <laughs> like, do you know the most interesting thing I saw this week was I know Ibra didn't play against uh, against Man U in the Europa League, but Scott McTominay came out and said was it that he felt that Ibra was a difficult teammate. I'm like, you're a brave man saying something like that publicly, knowing what Ibra's going to do. I've had to be honest. He's a difficult think... teammate. Sorry, Ibra. Scott, Scott McTominay said, said that about Ibra. Oh yeah, Ibra was uh-huh. a, he was, was a difficult teammate to be around. Wow. Wow. So I, I honestly don't even think Ebra would waste his time saying anything about that because, well, who's Scott McTominay in the comparison? You know what I mean? I don't think he really yeah. cares. Um, just bringing this conversation back to the players a little bit and um, more specifically <laughs> Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Would you, boys, would you boys say that those guys are now top of the pyramid, top of the pile? They're the new guard. And, and I mm-hmm. think what you were seeing the other night was the, the passing from the old guard to the new guard, the, 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 the sort of new frontiers of top players. Mbappe looks amazing. Haaland looks unbelievable, like unplayable at times. And and the pair of them are, are, are very different styles. The, the, you know, Both of them have got very different styles, even to Ronaldo and Messi. So it's not really necessarily yeah. comparing like for like, but um, they're both amazing players. And... and Arguably, they've not even reached their peak yet because they're still young, you know, and that's quite scary in itself. Well, yeah, they're both very young, aren't they? I think, um, yeah, well, what Mbappe is 22, Holland's still only 20. So, isn't it crazy? Yeah, it's it's absolutely mental that we're seeing these players be this good at this age. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think the only play, the only time I can remember that happening, um, of players being this good, this young was Messi and Ronaldo, Steve, yeah. Yeah, I, I watched a fascinating article during the week on this, uh, and it was about how, uh, how Neymar has left Nike as a sponsor. Um, Andy may have seen this. It's, it's one of the Athletics' recent um, videos, and they were talking about what, what we're seeing with uh, with Nike was because it used to be Nike owned the, like the the brand talent for like all the top talents. They'd like your Ronaldo, your Messi, your 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 Lewandowski, everyone. Um, and then little by little, what we've seen is Nike have been kind of taking the top guys like Neymar, Lewandowski, and they've been letting them go off to Adidas and Puma and New Balance and, and get their big deals. And they've focused more on the new guys. So Nike now have, uh, let's say, Haaland, Mbappe and Sterling all signed up, mm. who all appear mm. much younger, 
you know, much different demographic and are three of probably the most exciting younger talents in Europe. Um, and I think when you see the marketing companies pick up on that, you recognize that the, the balance is shifting. You know, it's shifting away from those experienced players in their prime being the best in Europe mm. to being these much younger guys who are making much more of an impact. Um, I don't think I can, can include Lewandowski in that on the basis that Lewandowski is still doing a ridiculous amount at Bayern. Um, but I think he's, what, 31 now? 31, 32? Yeah, yeah, right yeah he's getting on a bit, yeah. He's, he's maybe got a couple more years at the very top before a big kind of powerful striker like him starts to fade a little. Whereas Haaland, yeah. he still has three or four years before he comes into his prime. And considering how good he is just now, that's just scary. Yeah, uh, Lewandowski's 32. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely. And I'd, honestly, I'd say the, normally they say that a player reaches his peak between the ages of 27 to 29. Um, so Haaland, when you think, is really, we're going to be looking at more like six, seven years before he reaches that. So yeah. that's it's crazy, really, considering how good he is. And if he's really got that much more development left to go, then oh my God. Um, yeah. Don't think we're going to really be ready for that. His his development will depend solely on coaching, and it's no disrespect to Dortmund, but I think if he doesn't leave there within a couple of years, he won't be working with the very best coaches in the world. Mm. And we might see him stall. So I think he needs to be careful with that because um, Dortmund. One thing Dortmund are very good at is nurturing talent. Um, I think that's the one one of the places where Dortmund excel really. Um, but yes, I, I, he's not going to go on to become the best player in the world there. He does need no, to go to, no. a, to, a, to a Real Madrid or Barcelona, possibly a Manchester United, if he's going to do that. I, I've still got a feeling he's going to go Bayern. I think that once Lewandowski sort of reaches that age where he sort of di- di- um, his, his form drops and he sort of yeah, age reaches him, I do think I have this feeling in my head that they're, I got, got this feeling in my head that they're just going to go in Bayern are going to go out and get Haaland from Dortmund. I'm not honestly. I'm not sure that Dortmund will do that to themselves again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, my understanding is that there's already something in place and Haaland won't be at Dortmund for more than 18 months from here on. He will be on his way out um, to either Real Madrid or Man United sure. at the end of that. But it won't be this summer. It will be next summer. Do you reckon he'll get Man U after what, his, um, what Roy Keane did to his dad? Do you reckon he'll... Um... He nearly well, signed I, I heard last this year. story, yeah, but there's but also he? the whole, you know, it's still one of the very biggest, richest clubs in the world. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can't hate a whole club because of one player that doesn't play anymore either. No, but it's just interesting if he does go Man U, because obviously everyone already automatically go towards me that um, the thing with his dad and Roy Keane. It's just interesting if he did go there to see what would happen in terms of, Be interesting. Terms of that. I believe looking at like, everything I've seen historically for the last 10 years, Man United as a club have pretty much disavowed Roy Keane. Um, I, I don't think even Gary Neville speaks particularly positively when, he's men- when his name is mentioned these days. No, I'm not sure he ended this time the best. Thing. I think his, his his departure at Manu wasn't exactly the most fondest of farewells, was it? No, I don't think it was. Uh, have you got, have you guys seen his um his testimonial speech when he has that test? I think it's when he has testimonial and he does um so he does a speech and it's so awkward between him and Fergie. You can really tell there's like <laughs> such a ice cold relationship between the both of them. I can't yeah, imagine Roy Keane has a whole bunch of friends. If I'm being honest, <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> Just as dark. He was No, I'm saying that because he comes across as an arsehole. Yeah, he does. He, does. he totally does. Um, um, I think his dog's his only friend, to be honest. 
He sounds, he sounds even harsher than yeah, I am. Last I heard, <laughs> last I heard, Roy Keane and his dog were a little more than friends, weren't they? <laughs> they were in the World Cup, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's just a reference That's to an harsh. old song. <laughs> an old song. That's harsh. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on a little bit. We'll move to the Premier League now. Um, another weekend, the Premier League football is on the horizon this weekend as the North mm. London derby presents the pick of the 10 games. Uh, as well as that, Newcastle take on Villa in a game that could have significance at the bottom of the division. Um, that takes place in about 45 minutes. Uh, Liverpool travel to Molyneux on the Monday Night Football. Manchester United take on West Ham. And newly managerless Sheffield United travel to Leicester. Um, I think that's probably a good place to start. Um, Luke, Chris Wilder left the Blades today, um, or should I say was sacked by the Blades today, although I don't think that's been made yes. official by the club just yet. Yes. Uh, did that decision come as a shock to you? Not really a shock. Um, disappointing, actually, for him because he's, 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 by and large, he's had a very, very successful career. And I think this is the first season that he's really had it. He's had a bit of down um, and a bit of bad luck, really, more than anything. So, so I'm, I'm kind of gutted for him. Um, I think he's a good manager. And I think Sheffield United overachieved and he's paid he's paid the price for that. Um, yeah. so, so it's disappointing. Not surprising, given how poor they've been this year. Do you think it was a little bit um, harsh given that, well, without Chris Wilder, there's a good chance that um, Sheffield United would still be languishing down around League One? I think so, yeah. I think I think the writing was in the wall last weekend when he said that he thought some players would be leaving the club and stuff, and he was quite public about that. And, you know, and generally when somebody comes out and says that, that's usually, you know, a sign that they're either not happy or the all's not well behind the scenes. Um, so I kind of thought he might be he may be leaving this week, just judging by the language he was using. But yeah. I feel disappointed for him, and I really feel that he's you know, like I said, he's he's done so well with them that actually their expectations had naturally been you know pushed up the way. When in actual fact they were always yeah, going think, to be struggling to fight relegation. I think they've been skewed, and I think if Sheffield United fans yeah. were expecting anything like what yeah. they got last season again this season then the only thing I could really put that down to is sheer delusion, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, but I th- I do still think it was a bit harsh. But Luke, uh, Steve, I know you've had plenty to say about this in the group chat today, but uh, you sent me you sent us an article earlier in which it stated that the favourites to replace Chris Wilder were Paul Heckingbottom and Neil Lennon. Was that correct? Uh, that would be correct. At the moment, uh, Heckingbottom is evens to take over. Um, whether or not that's as a kind of temp- temporary measure to the end of the season or whether or not they're actually thinking about installing him as a full-time manager. Um, I don't know. Uh, I do know um, both of those candidates would be horrific given <laughs> their respective uh, respective runs in English football previously. Um, I think there are way better candidates out there, uh, more experienced managers, guys who you know know how to bring teams up from the Championship and the Premier League. Uh, I think um, neither Heckingbottom nor Lennon. Uh, does anyone recall when Lennon was in charge at Bolton? Um, yes. Yeah, so, not really. Yes, I do. So they, they were. Yeah. I mean, they, they were obviously an administration on, on a kind of minus points to begin with, but um, they, they had arguably the worst season in the history of the club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think at one point he ended up playing like nine youth players because he couldn't afford to put anyone else out and they got completely trashed. I don't think you need to really sort of justify the statement that Neil Lennon is a bad manager because, well, this season he has managed to 
get blown out of the water in the Scottish title race with Celtic. That says everything nice. you need to know. BDG. Really. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, to be fair, he has he has been Rangers Player of the Year this year. So, <laughs> Agent Neil, oh, I'm delighted. Honestly, the best sign that Stevie G ever made. Honestly, <laughs> him and Shane Duffy. Shane Duffy was great. Well. Oh, Shane, Shane Duffy has to come back to the Premier League next year if Brighton stay up. I, I, I genuinely want to know what the club's going to do with him because he's still on a big contract there. Do, do you know what? If you're if you're a team that are wanting to fight relegation and just have someone who's there to get the head in the ball, Shane Duffy's your man. He, he is brilliant in a, a defensive shape team. He would be a real good player for them because oh, you know he's just going to be a big solid guy that's going to get the ball and clear it. He's, he's not just, a ball he's defender. Just standing on the penalty penalty spot and jumping up and heading the ball away. I think. Yeah. I think that's about the limit of his abilities. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's it. And and you know what? I mean, someone someone like the West Broms could have actually, if if he'd been available, he would have been a great signing for West Brom. It really would have been because you know the kind of system that they want to play, which is very much, you know, stand on the ball, get rid of it, rose Ed kind of thing. Then, you know, he's perfect for that system. It's interesting. Reminds me of a certain centre back used to play for Rangers called Stephen Presley, um, who basically his entire game was. Hoof. Where's the ball? Hey, the Why? Because Presley was on it. By the way, guys, just, just while we're on the topic of uh, Brighton, did you guys see the news today that Tariq Lamptey has been ruled out for the rest of the season? Mm. Yeah, I don't I think I never saw that. that. Oh, dear. That's a shame. Uh, that's a, I think, that's a big I think when he went down, they kind of anticipated it could be a season ending. Um, mm. It's a massive loss, and they're Brighton are not in a good run of form right now. Uh, the only thing that's in Brighton's favour is the fact that Newcastle are worse run of form than them. They slip below us mm. on the table. They do, but if you had to say, you know, in a 50-50, which of those two teams are you taking? If they had to play in, in the last honestly, of the to stay up? Honestly, as probably the most pessimistic Newcastle fan on the planet, I'd take Newcastle at the moment. Yeah, same. Right, Brighton have been horrific. Have been, I, think it's, I think it's that Palace game really showed me how bad in trouble they are because also we had, also they had like 75-odd possession, they had about 11 corners to none. Uh, they had about five more shots on target than them. Um, no, uh, they had five shots on target. Palace only had two, and then they, Palace still won the game. So I do think those kind of games, for me, are worrying for teams in that, in that area because um, if you can't win games when you're on top like that, I think that really is worrying for a team. So I, I, that's why I still think Brighton are going to go down myself. Interestingly, uh, uh, interestingly, next, uh, in a couple of weeks, or I think it's next weekend, actually, we play each other. Brighton and Newcastle oh, play oh, each other. That's going to be huge. That's uh, a sticks oh. point for me when, when that game comes around. I mean, we talked there about how you know, Palace, Palace did their stay organised. Now, it's, it's you know, you can disrespect in Palace. That's a Roy Hodgson team. They are very well organised. Um, and they do hit on the break. And they've got the likes of Wolf Saha up there. Um, you can't say the same of a Steve Bruce team, right? If Brighton played like they did against um, Palace... Brighton will get through against the first team the way they wouldn't get through against the Roy Hodgson. It'll be enough in each throw. It'll be enough in each throw. The thing is, though, you're looking at individual match stats there. The stats that you need to look at at the moment for Brighton and Newcastle is the fact that Newcastle have won seven games a season. Brighton have only won five. Um, yeah, that's that's the problem for Brighton. Yeah, uh, 
they're not winning games and they haven't been all season. <laughs> like the only teams who've won less than them are which West Brom and Sheffield United. Like that's that's Brighton's biggest issue this season. Um and basically I think the the two games that Newcastle have the, the game that Newcastle have this uh, tonight against Villa and Brighton's game tomorrow against um Southampton are gonna be yeah. massive um going into that game next week because it's down it's down Absolutely. at the Amex. So um I, I wanna ask I wanna ask everyone here for a quick opinion, right? Will Fulham, on their current form, finish ahead of both Brighton and Newcastle by the end of the season? Uh, no. I, I think Fulham's run of form has been uh, inflated a little bit, to be perfectly honest. I think I think they'll stagger a little bit. I, I honestly still think, of the three, Fulham are the ones who will go down. Yeah. I do. Luke, Andy? I think they might, you know, because they've got a tough run of games. If you look at the, 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 the they've got City next. Okay, they've got Leeds United, but you know, that'll be a tricky game against Leeds. Uh, they've got Villa, Wolves, Arsenal. Uh, so that's a win for them. Chelsea, yeah. Burnley, yeah, Leeds, Leeds and Man United. As well, so. And Man United. So the, the, and then Newcastle on the final day. So that actually, the, the game in the final day could be a bit of a crunch game for you, Kian. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We've been looking, we've been sort of dreading that one for a while. But um, I, I, I would like to think that would already be safe by then. Um, You'd hope so, eh? You'd hope well, so. Is is there any sign of like the three kind of key creative players in your team coming back before the end of the season? Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Like, Wilson's expected back in the next few games. Um, Miguel Almiron is expected back by the end of the month, um, and Maxi probably sometime after the international break. Um, so, so it might be okay then, yeah. yeah that's that's absolutely crucial for you. Yeah. Andy? Yeah, I, I think um, they will finish above those two. Because if you look at Brighton, look, I'm looking here at Brighton's um, last rest of, the, rest of their games. They've still got to play Man United, Everton, Chelsea, West Ham and Man City. That <laughs> there. I mean, maybe West Ham as soon as they may, or maybe Man U on a bad day or Everton on a bad day. But I just can't see them getting any points from those games. And I still think... Um, the way Fulham have been playing recently with um, like Adam Adam Lugman and Josh Madger really impressed in recent weeks. Um, and I do think Fulham are getting better each week. So I, I think Fulham are going to keep this run going, I think, and get the odd draw, the odd win now and then to keep them up. And I think Newcastle will be the same once they have Wilson, um, Almond and Sam Maximum back. So I, I, that's why I think is, if you look at Brighton's top goal scorers, Morpai's got seven but hasn't scored since mid-January. The next top scorer is McAllister is three and he's not even a striker. So that is really the worrying thing. At least we've got Callum Wilson, Newcastle, and you've got people like Lookman and Madger Fulham who can score goals, and even Mitrovic on his day. Whereas I can't see, apart from Morpai, who's going to get goals for Brighton. Should they have kept Glenn Murray? No. Absolutely. No, no, they shouldn't have. Luke? <laughs> <laughs> just, just one quick final point, actually, which is interesting. So I just had a quick look at the bookies, and uh, obviously Sheffield United and West Brom look doomed. Next... Uh, favourite to go down is unfortunately for you, Kieran. It's Newcastle. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite well aware Fulham. of that. And then, if you think that the Brighton should go down, then you definitely should put money on it because you're getting like four to one on that. The thing so is, you, that, 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 could that, that could all change after tonight because if, if you look at Newcastle, will have a game in hand on Burnley. If we win tonight, we're on level points with Burnley, and people aren't talking about Newcastle favourites to go down anymore. This is it. This, this is, is it. So this is how it can. This is how close and how tight it all is and I w- honestly wouldn't rule Burnley out of that relegation no nor me not, not by a million mile um, they're only four points above uh, above the scrap and 
could easily get tied into it. Let's see who they've got coming up. They've got Burnley, Southampton, then us, then Man U, Wolves, West Ham, and then Fulham. So they've actually still got um, a couple of the teams that they're fighting mm. against to play. So uh, here's, here's what I'll say, though, about Burnley is when you look at the bottom four teams, right, and you look against them playing at any of the top six teams, how many of them would you look at and say, that team can get a point out of this game? Burnley are the kind of team yeah. that can go to Old Trafford and frustrate and get a point. They're the kind of team that can go to Wolves and frustrate and get a point. Newcastle, Brighton, Fulham, you know, I don't I don't see it against the top six teams. Yeah, they did they did they did against us, didn't they, at Anfield when um But you're giving away points. Like it's like literally it's like free candy at the door. Hi, how you doing? Three points, there you go. Yeah, but then we we've got to go to Anfield in a couple of weeks and you can bet your bottom dollar we'll lose five nil. Um, oh, I don't know. No, no, no they'll give me three. Oh. That, yeah, that's a good point, actually. That could keep Newcastle up. You know, they gifted three points to uh, <laughs> to to other teams. So yeah, give them, give them Newcastle as well. We're the team that we're the team that will change their run of form. That's it's always Newcastle that do that. We're the ones who provide them the the backside to spank to change their fortunes around. We're, that's us. That's our role as a club, and it always has been. We're the one team that Derby beat in the two thousand seven eight season when they finished on eleven points. It's that's just our that, job. Yes. <laughs> that's just our job. That's that's who we are. It's quite irritating to be perfectly honest. And, he, and we're the first team to um, lose to Sheffield as well this season as well, weren't you? Yes, we were. Thank you very much for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. I'm getting depressed. The North London <laughs> derby always presents a ding-dong battle, but with Spurs 7th and Arsenal 10th, um, Luke, is this the least significant North London derby for a while? Could be, couldn't it? I mean, it's... Uh, do you know what? They're, they're always interesting, actually, just because... You know, you 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 want to have a bit of weather of where where each team's at. I, I don't think Arsenal are going to trouble them too much. Yeah. You know? So I, I really don't. Um, they, they keep talking about the project and stuff. And so sorry to your your mate Andy, by the way. Um, you know, I keep saying bang average, but kind of are the kind of are. Sorry, sorry. Um, not not that Spurs are actually that much better at the minute. They they're having a bit of an interesting time of it. But but what's interesting is that Gareth Bale played really well the last couple of games um, and they seem to have found a way to, to get him to play again. So I, I, yeah. I don't I don't anticipate any problems at all for Spurs. I think I think they'll win easily. I hope so because I've captained Harry Kane in the fantasy team this week. Same, same. same. And I bought, I bought him bail as well. I bought him bail today. So um, oh, I, con- yeah. I considered it. I considered it. I, I didn't know. I thought about it myself. We, we but can't, we can't talk about fantasy it. football. We'll just upset Luke. <laughs> oh man, my team stinks. My my team stinks worse than Shane Duffy actually. That's how bad I, it is. I, I, keep, I keep looking at your team actually, and saying Neil in charge of it. My, my team are actually my team are actually the Sheffield United of our, our fantasy league at the moment. That's and you are you are, I mean, you I'm are, are Bob Bradley of fantasy. I'm about to I'm about to get fired actually by Sheffield United. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I've built up quite a decent lead at the top of the league. I know you well, have. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm breathing yeah. in your neck now. I'm nah, you, just, not quite. But honestly, that's literally just because I had a bad week this week. Don't worry, I'll get it back. I just, I just like to say really, really well done. Well done. Mm. Just, just for those yeah. that picked him up, by the way, Harry Kane <laughs> does actually have a slight injury. Might not have mm. 75% chance of me playing. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm aware of that. But I, from what I've heard, it sounds like he's going to play. So I'm not too. Um, but oh, if he doesn't play, then I've um, vice captained 
Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, so hopefully he'll do something for him. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's a form player as, at the moment as well, isn't it? Uh, there, isn't he? So, yeah. Uh, back to the North London derby, Andy. How do you say it playing out this week? Uh, I think the form always goes out the window in these in derby games. I do think Arsenal have a chance. I do think. I mean, that goal from Udegaard on last night was 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 really special for me. But I I think Spurs will win. I think Spurs are in really good form in the league. I think as Luke was saying, Bale's started playing. Um, Kane and Son obviously, Kane and Son are always going to be good, and Kane always does well against Arsenal. Um, so I, I do think Spurs will win, but I I do think um, that Arsenal will make it a game. I, I do think they will trouble Spurs at times. Um, I think uh, people like Aurier and um, Regalon or any of the fullbacks that Spurs have can be got out in games. I think if you have people like um, Pepe on his day or Lacazette and Aubameyang, I think they can get at that Spurs defence. I do think they will trouble. But I, overall, I, I do think Spurs will still win. Um, I think I'd go for something like 3-1. Um, maybe it would be 1-1 for a while then Spurs would get two goals in the last 20 minutes but um, but it wouldn't surprise me a bit like what you're saying about Man U uh, your prediction last week which you got right I think wasn't it with the um, Man U winning uh, I think Arsenal got every chance of spoiling the party when it comes to Spurs but um, yeah I, I still think Spurs will win Fair enough, fair enough and that is thank you for reminding me of that by the way that I was the only oh. one who said that I thought uh, Man United yeah. Well, it's a it's a good excuse to mention that I'm I'm said two 0 Chelsea Jorginho penalty, so that that's um, <laughs> that, that is my chance to mention that really. Mm, yeah, fair enough. I mean, Steve, it's it's a nothing game. I for Arsenal, pretty much on the beach now, and they've got nothing really left to play for. I mean, they've still got to reach that magic forty point mark to secure survival, I guess. That is brutal. Um, yes. The, the thing about this, and I actually take a look, issue with something Luke said earlier, he says Spurs aren't much caught right now. Spurs right now are probably the most dangerous team in the league. Their form is fantastic. Yes, they have not played against, you know, a Man City, a Liverpool, Man United to get that far, but, you know, Bale is suddenly back to being the Bale that they brought in. Uh, Mourinho said publicly, you know, he's on fire, it's great. He's, he's trying to kind of nurse his, like, limit his minutes because he doesn't want to play in every single game and burning himself out because I think Bale's 32 now. You're not going to get the same, you know, explosiveness for 10 games in a row. You need to manage that, uh, the energy levels in the guy. But right now, I mean, Bale's on fire, Son's on fire, Kane's on fire, and that's up against a very, very dodgy Arsenal defence. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see this being anything less than, like, 3-0, maybe 4-1. I mean, this on, on current form, Spurs should absolutely go to town on them. Uh, and Spurs have still got a lot to play for. I mean, if Spurs win this game, they're two points off the Champions League spots. You know, their season is most definitely not over the way Arsenal's is. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. you know, they, they win this, they go up. Actually, this will move them to fifth if they win that game. Um, uh, obviously, with Everton and West Ham results. In the- yeah, obviously. But this is like, this, this is Spurs making that late run that we never expect from them. They always seem to do well in the season and then fade away towards the end. Mm. This is them actually coming into form at the right time of the season and making, making a late run for the Champions League spots. Um, and honestly, you know, if they win it and they go, what, two points behind Chelsea? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the form table. Chelsea, Chelsea to me, are the form team in the league. But, uh, you know, there's no reason why, why Spurs can't make a late run in fourth. Yeah, I mean... 
moving on to the final topic, I think, um, staying around the same area of the table, you've got Manchester United v West Ham this weekend, which could be quite a tasty affair. Uh, I think there's only six points separating the two teams, um, with West Ham sitting sixth or fifth. Fifth. West Ham sitting fifth. Um, with a game in hand, Man United up on uh, up in second. If Man United lose this game, Andy, do you see them being in any trouble of any danger of potentially even dropping out of the top four? Um, I think there's definitely potential. I mean, looking at the table now, Manu in second, 54 points, only six points ahead of West Ham, and they got a game of hands. So yeah. West Ham beat Manu. Uh, I don't think they will because Lingard, I'm guessing, won't be playing because he's on loan. He won't um, be. No, so I do think Manu will win this game. But if West Ham did get the win, for example, They'd only be um, three points behind Manu with a game in hand, and the goal difference is actually uh, Manu got it's, a way better goal difference. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I do think there's every potential because it's still very tight. I think, especially if teams like Leicester and Chelsea win on the weekend, mm. um, even Everton, for that mm. matter, they're still in the mix as well. Um, I, I do think yeah. potentially we, we could look at, I think they've got to be careful because they were one point top of the league and um, it. It, it would be something you'd have to think about and have to be very, very wary of, especially when they're still playing in European football as well. You may have to try and think which one they want to prioritise. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think they could easily be in danger of missing out on top four. Yeah, I mean, it's still, like you said, very tight up there. One of the teams who I feel like have just flown under the radar and do so every week, especially on this podcast, is Leicester City, who are just sitting there comfortably mm. in third. We never really talk about them as potentially going to drop out. We never really talk about them um, mm. as, well, and obviously not now, but we haven't at any point during the season really considered them as title challengers either. They've always just been there or thereabouts, and we've all just seemed fairly comfortable with it and just accepted that Leicester are a top 14 this season. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I think potentially you could look at how last season played out. I think maybe, I think certainly Leicester fans may not want to get too ahead of themselves after what happened after January last season. Um, I do think that maybe is playing on people's mind, thinking, oh, Leicester may just crumble again like, like they did last season. Um, I think Leicester would be massively underrated. I mean, I did an article on this a few, few weeks ago that um, how Leicester have been really sort of undervalued this season. I do think. Um, mm. By James Madison, Harvey Barnes had an amazing season. Jamie Vardy still getting the goals despite his age. Uh, I think they've replaced um, they, obviously they replaced Maguire with Siunku. He played well last season. He got injured. They bought him for Farna. He's been playing just as well. So I do think, yeah, I think they've gone slightly under the radar for me personally. With the likes of like the Fafana, the Siunchus, the James Justins. I think you've really got to pay homage to the Leicester recruitment staff because mm. they've really, for the, about the last five mm. years, been repeatedly hitting the nail on the head, haven't they, Luke? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, some some of the players that, that they've got, the likes of Telemans, I, I really rate Telemans. I really like him. I think he's yeah. a great player. Mm. Um, so, so you enjoy at the back as well as, as a great player as well. So they've, they've, they've got a, a real spine of an excellent team, actually. Um, and although um, Vardy, I think, is 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 probably starting to peak slightly, although he's putting the, still banging the goals in, but you can't rely on him forever. It's not in great form at the moment, I don't think. No, but he, he's, he's put the goals away this season, hasn't he? So, you know, fair, fair play to him. Um, but yeah, the recruitment's been pretty good, actually. And much as I'm not overly a fan of Brendan Rodgers, they've done pretty well this season. You know, I have, and, I have. You know, grudgingly, I have to admit that. But I had a bit of sick in my mouth, actually, as I've seen <laughs> that. But actually, they have done pretty well this year. Can you remember where you had them on your um, predictions? Oh, 
think I seventh, I want to say, or sixth or seventh. Sixth or seventh, I think. Yeah, I think I had some sixth or seventh, actually. Sixth or seventh as well. Uh, Luke, you had them eighth. Andy, you had them uh, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Steve had them about fourth, did he not? Oh, God. Steve had them sixth. Six, no, I had Arsenal okay. fourth, and that's gone well, hasn't it? <laughs> you did. You did have Arsenal fourth. If I recall, there was some sort of bet riding on that, was there not? It was, wasn't there? Uh, no, it, was, it, was. It, it was, but it was only you know for Luke, and I think he's safe now. He's very, very safe. <laughs> <laughs> was there not? Was there not some sort of? Um, no, unfortunately, the bet was very one way. It was a case of Luke basically openly stated, "If Arsenal finish fourth, you know, I will yada yada yada," <laughs> uh, and I believe the agreement was he would wear an Arsenal shirt. Um, but and he's not going to have to do that hat. now, clearly. And a Celtic hat as well, I think. And a Celtic hat, yeah. Yeah, because I was he super confident. I knew they wouldn't do anything. Yeah, I knew they wouldn't do anything, so it was all right. Luke, yeah, had but... a, Luke seems to have done pretty well with his Arsenal guess, because he had the, you had them ninth, Luke. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to do anything this year. And I kind of stand by that. And I'm, I'm glad I was proved right on one thing, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Andy, I think, going, Andy going back seven. to the topic, though, going, going back to Leicester, um, I'm... I'm not as convinced as everybody else that they will finish top four. I'm looking at the last uh, the last ten games here. Now they've got some some easy kind of three pointers. They've got Sheffield United, they've got West Brom, they've got Palace, they've got Newcastle. Those are four games that, on current form, Leicester should win. Um, but they've got Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Spurs to play, and West Ham, and West Ham away still to play. Now those are all teams that will. Like they can and will take points off them, um, and if it's not any by, by any means a foregone conclusion that Leicester are safe in the Champions League spots, yes, I think but the other thing, results, think, other thing that I think you have to consider there is that Man U and Chelsea, especially, still have European competition to worry about. Leicester, Leicester have got that monkey off their back. Um, although it's not a great thing that they got knocked out to Slavia Prague, they don't have to worry about that anymore. I I'd also say though that Man U and Chelsea have much bigger squads to play with. Uh, one of the key things that, you, that I've noticed in less, less than the last couple of weeks is uh, Harvey Barnes is out now probably for the rest of the season. Uh, Madison's been mm-hmm. out here and there. He's not been 100% most of the year. Johnny Evans has had a couple of injuries. <coughs> and they, the players they bring in are not household names. They're not star players. Mm-hmm. And the team balance is affected by it. Um, but they are fortunate in that, as Luke pointed out, they have, to me, one of the most underrated midfielders in the Premier League, and that's Yuri Tielemans. And as long as he's in there pulling the strings, you will always have a creative influence in there to get them goals. And, get the ball and, and the Madison market. as well. Yeah, and well, Madison as Mar- well. Madison's, Madison's been injured, though. That's the problem. I when Matt, but he's still a great player. Was, he was in top form when he got injured. Mm. Um, Barnes, likewise. And that's, those are two big losses. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Anyway, uh, I do believe that is all we've got time for today. Um, to be honest, I'm going to get off and get my team. Come on, Newcastle. Come on, watch, watch Newcastle. a Newcastle game. I don't know why I'm subjecting myself to that, but I am. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Boys, honestly, I'm dreading it, man. This might, on, this might not get this, this podcast might never see the light of day because I might slip <laughs> my wrists. So, What's your prediction? What's your prediction for the score just before you go then? Um, uh, we're at home, so I'd oh. like to say that we won't lose, but I don't think we'll win. So I'm going to say 1 1. I was going to say 1 1 as well. Boys, yeah, do you want to predict then for a I'm, I am going because I've just looked at the team sheets here and I am going uh-huh. 2 0 to Villa, even with okay. Jack Grealish because. 
they have named a very, very attacking lineup for an away game. That's interesting. Uh, but you, well, the, the why wouldn't you against us? Newcastle, strangely enough, have gone with Dwight Gale up front alongside Joe Linton and Ryan Fraser. So they're going yes. 4 3 3. They're going for it. Yeah, well, it's, it'll be the same formations we've been playing. It'll be that same 4 3 1 2, like diamond thing, yeah, which is he, just weird. Key at the game again will be Joe Willock, though. If Joe Willock shows up, you've got a chance. Definitely. But that's a big if. So back to Villa, obviously now the table, they've got two games in hand over Chelsea and only 10 points behind them. So if they win their games in hand, that will leave them only four points off top four. Villa so are definitely think... not making the Champions League. There is more chance of Arsenal making the Champions League. There's absolutely not. There's absolutely not. Arsenal are still a relegation battle. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you should do, Andy, you should write an article about how strong Villa have been this season because they have outperformed everybody's expectations. Well, I think I already have. Are... I, I, if my memory's right, I think I already did. About three months ago, I did like four months ago, three months ago, I did a piece on on Villa, I think. Yeah. I mean, excuse, me, talking, excuse, me. About recruitment. excuse me, can I end this podcast? I need to go and watch football. <laughs> Okay, 15 minutes before you get, right, get, get your hands handed to you. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the Villa, um, you know, recruitment this season, you know, Triori, Watkins, mm. uh, you know, there's just been... Martinez, uh, especially. Martinez, some incredible talent picked up and not big prices paid. I mean, no. Villa, it, if they, they sign like that again next season, and we know the money's there because they've got a big money chairman, there's every chance that they could get to the same level as Leicester. Well, we'll talk about that more different day because I really do need to go. So, um, <laughs> again, that is all we've got time for today. So, do be sure to tune in again next week when we'll be back to debate another week of football headlines from around the Premier League and probably not beyond. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you then. <laughs>